Hey, 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 happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Take It or Leave It. My name is Dalton Mogul, and this is my new podcast, debuting on the Yip Podcast Network here at Nebraska Wesleyan University. Man, it's a beautiful week. It has been so good to be back outside. As as a former collegiate golfer, I can tell you guys this weather. I mean, this is to die for. So what do you guys need to know? Well, this is a podcast. It is all-inclusive for sports fans across the entire board. I mean, I'm going to cover hockey on here. I'm going to cover basketball, football, and like I said earlier, man, I was once a golfer, so heck, I'm even going to cover golf on here. Every week, I'm just going to be talking about the trending news for sports across the nation. Whatever's blowing up at that current time, I will be on it talking about it. Uh, week to week, I'm going to try to get some special fans up on here, get some guests, get some interaction, make the show a little more exciting for all of you. But for this episode, for my first debut, I'm going to start out by introducing myself, um, and then I'm going to move into the episode. We have an action-packed episode. We're going to talk about the NFL quarterbacks on the move, your guide for this offseason, who you need to pay attention to, some big trades that have already happened. Following that, we're going to be talking about the Battle of the Big Ten for college basketball. Big Ten, one of the best conferences in the nation, arguably the best, as we head into almost March Madness. We're heading into conference tournaments next week. Then we're going to move our attention all the way over to the NBA with the Brooklyn Nets. They've been riding a heater here currently these last few days, 7-0. Steve Nash has finally figured it out there and the Big Three. And then finally, in honor of Black History Month, I'm going to tell all of you a little bit story about Jack Trice. All that coming up on this first episode of Take It or Leave It. Thank you for tuning in to the Yip Podcast Network. This is a collection of student-created podcasts from Nebraska Wesleyan University. All of these shows are written and edited by current students who attend NWU. To be in the loop for podcast debuts and upload dates, follow us on Twitter at NWU Yip Yip. And of course, go P-Wolves. So I thought I'd start this show off talking a little bit about myself, seeing how it is the first episode in my new uh, podcast. So my name is Dalton Mogul. I'm currently a junior here at Nebraska Wesleyan University. I'm an English major with an endorsement in secondary education. Uh, I have a passion for education, but my second passion happens to be sports. Uh, Coming into college, I was maybe going to go into uh, sports broadcasting, but uh, if you want to talk about a profession that gets paid even less than teachers, there you have it. Uh, Besides that, in high school, I was a tennis player and a golfer. Um, at York High School, and then I came to Nebraska Wesleyan, and I actually was on the golf team until last year, where I finally decided to hang up the sticks. Uh, golf, if you've never played the sport, it'll wear and tear on you. It's uh, it's a very tough sport, but it's also very rewarding. Uh, there's tremendous amounts of, of satis- uh, satisfaction that you feel um, once you shoot that first round under par, that that first eagle, whatever it may be for, for everyone out there. I'm telling you, if you do play golf, I respect you. That is a tough sport. Um, to add some credibility, my best round ever, I shot a 64 at your country club, which was a six under. 
So I understand the game. I'm a decent player, known for being a long bomber, 300-plus uh, off the tee. But my short game is horrendous, so that's why I'll never make it big. <laughs> I guess a little bit more you should know about me. I'm a big college basketball fan. I have a feeling most of this podcast is going to revolve around that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on other sports outside of it because I understand how important every sport is to this nation, uh, even hockey. I'll say it. I guess even soccer. Oof, I don't know if I'll touch on soccer. <laughs> uh, besides that, um, I'm a Michigan fan. Kind of weird. I was born and raised in Nebraska, but always been a Michigan fan. They have the same colors as uh, my high school, elementary school, middle school. So when I was in fourth grade, I saw Michigan players in their helmets. And I was like, whoa, those, those are pretty cool. And my family is not big sports people. So growing up, I didn't have the influence that most people have of, of being grandfathered into being Nebraska fans. So I was able to choose it, and I chose Michigan. I'm big, big Michigan basketball fan. And, man, what a year they're having. We're going to get to that later on in the show when we talk about the Big Ten. Um, I can't think of anything else, really, that, that I need to tell you guys about myself. If there's anything else you'd like to know, you can uh, get on Twitter at NWU, yip, yip. That is our Twitter page for all these podcasts. Feel free to ask any questions you have about these shows. Um, but that's all you need to know about me. Like I said, my name's Dalton Mogul, and uh, I'm excited. This show's going to be called Take It or Leave It. And uh, let's get right into that first segment, NFL quarterbacks on the move. I want to start this episode talking about NFL quarterbacks particularly the free agents this year and the ones that have already been on the move. First one that comes to mind that I'm thinking of that's going to be, uh, that already is a real special talent is Deshaun Watson out of the Texans. Um, Deshaun Watson, really, he hasn't seen much success yet with the Texans besides his earlier years. No one really knows why. He had Hopkins there. Um, he has a, They had a stellar defense there for a while when J.J. Watt was, was going absolutely insane. Um, and Deshaun Watson is a real talent. Came out of Clemson, won the national championship, uh, first-round pick. The, the guy was special. So what needs to happen? Where does he need to go? Well, it's clear that this is something to do with uh, coaches and GMs. It, it's just not getting along there down at, with the Texans for Deshaun Watson. Needs to get out of there. Needs to get in a new environment. I, I don't know where he's going, to be honest with you, but I know that he needs to get out for the sake of his own game. And, and for the Texans, I just don't think that relationship's good anymore. So I'm interested to see. We'll keep in touch with that as the as a offseason progresses, where Deshaun Watson's going to go. Second quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers have talked about they don't really know what's next. Uh, Big Ben decided he's going to come back and play, even after that horrific loss to the Browns. Go Browns. They're my team, number one in my heart. But, but man, what an what a absolute bad showing there in the playoffs against the Steelers. Everyone there for a while thought they were the best team. I mean, if you were a Steelers fan, you thought they were the best team. If you were the rest of the NFL, you realized that it was a pretty fake schedule that they had built their record upon. And then they got exposed there at the end of the season. Uh, big Ben, what's he going to do? Older guy? Should he retire? Is he prone to injury? I mean, he's a big fella. I don't think he's prone to injury. But I just don't know if he's a Steelers pick now. I think, I think it's time to move on for Big Ben. I don't think he's washed up. I just think the Steelers need younger talent in the locker room for him. It just doesn't seem to be working anymore. Next guy up, 
Dak Prescott. Season-ending injury is the first time he's realized he is mortal. And Dak Prescott is a real talent, really special. Uh, He's a great fantasy football player if you're into fantasy football, but he's just a great quarterback overall. Is he necessarily the best out of this class, out of this these free agents? I don't think so. I don't think he's proven yet that he's the best. He had an, a stellar offensive line in a year when Ezekiel Elliott was going off, and they still didn't get the job done. Um, I think he has yet to prove his worth. Do I think he's going to stay with the Cowboys? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I see potential for, for Dak Prescott to move. Uh, New England's looking for a new quarterback. Do I think they're going to go with Dak Prescott? Probably not. But but that's where I'm bringing my attention to next, the New England Patriots. Cam Newton's a free agent. People are talking about he didn't mesh very well with them. Well, I don't know. I, I live with a Patriots fan, and he absolutely despises Cam Newton. But I don't know why. Cam Newton is a great talent. He he really had things going until he got sidelined with COVID there, and then it threw their course off. New England's talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, possibly. Um, you know, if I'm New England, if I'm in this scenario, I'm wanting Cam Newton back. Cam Newton's a real talent. He can work both sides of the ball. He can run it and pass it. He's a smart decision maker, and I think he's got more in him. This guy, he has a chip on his shoulder. And, and I, I, if I'm New England, I want Cam Newton back. But the two particular quarterbacks that have already moved, signed, been traded that I'm focused on are Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford. Now let's start with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has gone from the Eagles. He got replaced with the younger Jalen Hurts and he went to the Colts. What does this mean? What does this mean for the Colts? What does this mean for the Eagles? Well, for the Colts, Wentz is a caliber player. Uh, let's look at his record. Let's look at his statue. He led the Eagles to their first Super Bowl in franchise history. He was injured after the 11-2 start, and of course Nick Foles got the job done. But if if it hadn't been for Carson Wentz at the start of that season, I don't think they make it to that Super Bowl. I don't think they win that Super Bowl. I mean, we all remember that Super Bowl for the Philly special. We all recognize that Super Bowl. Lots of people give credit to Nick Foles. It's Nick Foles' Super Bowl. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on that. I really have to give Carson Wentz a lot of credit. Now, the problem with him, he's injury-prone. 2017, 2018, 2019, all these are season-ending injuries. Uh, you got to stay healthy. Is this something he can fix? Obviously not. Is this something he can work on? I don't know. I don't know what rehab they could do for him, how he could be better prepared for these scenarios, or if, it, or if that's just how his career is going to go. It's like it's like for basketball analogy, he's kind of like a Derrick Rose, a raw talent who's been exposed to so many injuries when you think he's got it made and he's got to rehab and come back. I'm cheering for Carson Wentz. I think this pickup for the Colts is huge. I think this puts a new chip on his shoulder. He's been replaced with a younger quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who hasn't really proved anything yet. And they they just said, uh, sorry, Carson, we're going to throw you on the bench here. We're going to put we're going to put Hurts in. I don't necessarily agree with that play call, but I think this is good for Wentz. Like I said, a chip on his shoulder, and he has new weapons here at the Colts. He has a veteran T.Y. Hilton. He has a very young Michael Pittman Jr. who comes out of USC who is hungry. I mean, this guy is hungry. I see these two making a potential, potentially deadly combo if Wentz can stay healthy. 
And that's what it's going to come down to. If I'm a Colts fan, though, I'm getting excited. Carson Wentz, a true talent. This guy could do some special stuff this season for the Colts. And, and I think ultimately the Eagles are going to pay. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm pretty sad that Carson Wentz is gone. I'm very sad. Second player I want to talk about, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, old boy, 33 years old. I mean, in the NFL, if you're a quarterback, you know, you can get up to the 40s. You got Tom Brady, Breeze, Rivers. I'm not exactly sure how old Big Ben is, but I think he's got to be close. But 33, you're getting up there, Matthew. We see you working, man. But he's coming from Detroit to the L.A. Rams. And this caught me by surprise. Sean McVay wanted a new quarterback. This was Sean McVay went to the GM, said, hey, I'm not happy with what Goff is doing for us. I want to be able to call him change up my offense, get some new play calls in there. And he wanted Matthew Stafford. This was his guy. And I can see why. If we look back at Matthew Stafford, he brings talented arm, great instincts, and a long list of eye-opening stats. I mean, let me go through these real fast. He ranks first in Lions history in completion percentage at 62.6%. He ranks first in passing yards at 45,000. He ranks first in passing touchdowns at 282. And he ranks first in 74 wins for the most starting quarterback at Detroit. I mean, I get that this was over the span of 12 years, but this is a guy you want if you're Sean McVay. If you're trying to change up an offense with a veteran quarterback, Matthew Stafford, I mean, you don't hear about him because when do you guys ever watch a Detroit Lions game? I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm going to say Thanksgiving with your family. For some of you, that's the only Detroit Lions game you ever watch all year. This is exciting stuff. Stafford's going to have some real talent here. He's got Higby at tight end, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods at wideouts. And what I think is most important is the L.A. Rams have a stellar defense. He has yet to have this. The Detroit Lions never built up a repertoire like the L.A. Rams have going for him right now. Last season, they only allowed 18.5 points per game one of the lowest in the league. And they show, they're show they showcasing talents, Aaron Donald, Corey Littleton, Jalen Ramsey, who I all would argue are still in their prime, and they're all coming back. This is something Stafford has an experience for. And as the old saying goes, defense wins championships. So I think you're going to see a new Matthew Stafford. I think you're going to see a happy Sean McVay, and I think you're going to see a winning culture come to the L.A. Rams next year. This is a dangerous team. I am putting the L.A. Rams as a dangerous team next year. Put them on your map. Circle them when you're playing them next year. Those are going to be tough wins. So that's all I have here for NFL quarterbacks on the move. Now I want to make my way to the battle of the Big Ten for Big Ten college basketball. I need to be completely honest with the viewers out here before I start this Big Ten segment. I am sort of biased in the field of Big Ten. I am a Michigan Wolverines fan myself, and I am a Big Ten fan myself. So, so this may seem a little biased for you, but I'm going to try to keep my bias out of it, as we all do when we're talking about sports. Um, but the Big Ten, I mean, wow. Talk about a program that continues to build off the success it had last year. Last year, the Big Ten was going to do something special in the tournament, I think. Um, and they've just continued it to this year. I want to go through these standings really fast. So you have number one in the Big Ten, Michigan, at 11-1. Their only loss comes to Minnesota, and they're ranked three in the country. You have Illinois at number two at 12-4 and four, with a tough loss 
to Michigan State last night, which I didn't see coming. I don't know who else saw that one coming. If you did, props to you. But I'm telling you, Big Ten, it's a dogfight. It's a dogfight every night. Then we got Ohio State coming at third, 12-5. Iowa, followed by Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, Minnesota, Michigan State, Penn State, Northwestern. And then rounding it out at the bottom is Nebraska. I feel for you, Coach Hoiberg. Keep rebuilding the program. You guys are doing something special. They've had some close ones. Their record, um, it's just tough. It's tough to be a Nebraska fan right now for football and basketball. But hang in there. You have a basketball coach that is trying to turn this around. But I want to talk about these teams at the top. Michigan and uh, Ohio State, they played over this weekend on Sunday. And Juwan Howard called it a boxing match. And like most college basketball games, it is an absolute boxing match these teams get on these runs someone throws a fist here you think they're knocked out and then somehow they get back up and throw a right jab and it's close again if you had the opportunity to watch michigan and ohio state on sunday that was high level college basketball michigan's number three in the country ohio state's number four and it looked like it it looked like just a great game michigan ended up edging them out by five but it's fun to watch, and it was just fun to see the Big Ten show just how dominant they are. Now, what you need to know about all of these teams is, one, when you're in the Big Ten, a road game is not guaranteed. A road game is not guaranteed. If you're in the Big Ten, home games typically come easy. Uh, it's just it's weird, these, these road games. The Big Ten, even without fans this year, we're, we're barely – Seeing wins. Michigan's one of the only teams that's getting it done. Last night, Michigan State upset Illinois on the road, which I think is one of the biggest wins of the year. And Michigan State has become just an anomaly this year. They're six and nine in the conference, yet they have four quad one wins. So they somehow, at six and nine, they have a chance of making the tournament if they can finish out strong and then play well in the Big Ten championship, which I want to talk about the Big Ten championship. The Big Ten Championship is set up to be a free-for-all this year. Northwestern is at second-to-last in the conference right now, just in front of Nebraska at 3-13. and 13. They started out their season with three wins, Michigan State, Indiana, and Ohio State. Since then, they've lost 13 straight. If you've had an opportunity to watch Northwestern play at all this year, they are a great team, a great shooting team. Around the perimeter, they are deadly. They hung around with Iowa, who's one of the, the second most efficient offense in NCAA basketball this year. And they just hung around with them. They hang around with teams. I don't know how their record's gotten all the way down to 3-13 and in conference play. But right now, I'm going to say it, they're my dark horse in the Big Ten Championship. Not to win it all. I don't think Northwestern can win it all. I'll be serious there. But I do think they're going to have some upsets along the way in that Big Ten championship, and I would not be surprised at all to see them upset some teams. Because the Big Ten, no night is guaranteed. We saw it last night with Illinois. They lost to Michigan State. Um, also last night, Penn State played Nebraska. Teddy Allen had an amazing first half, 28 points, a record uh, for most first-half points by a Nebraska player. It was incredible. Nebraska ended up losing to Penn State by three. That was their only win they've had this year as they beat Penn State earlier. But you go to the top of the board, you have Michigan, who's 11-1, and they lost to Minnesota, who's 6-10 in the conference. 
I mean, it's starting, it's just absolute chaos over here in the Big Ten. You don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose. And it's fun basketball to watch. So as the Big Ten championship gets closer, I'd pay attention to the teams with a true five. What do I mean with that? by that? Well, teams that have a true center, a big man down low. Michigan has found a, a real talent in the freshman Dickinson, 7-1 freshman, who's probably going to win Big Ten freshman of the year. And I attribute a lot of their success to him. Same with Illinois. They have a big, tall, last name's Cokeburn, down in the paint, seven-footer. And I attribute their 12 wins to him. Iowa, Luca Garza, 11-5. and five. Now, Iowa has an efficient offense as well. They have Wieskamp, McCaffrey, uh, Bohannis. There's lots of guys there. But you can go down the list of Big Ten teams, and you have to name a true five, or else they're going to be at the bottom of the conference. Nebraska, who's their true five? Udraogo, a 19-year-old from France who never lifted weights before he got to campus. I respect the heck out of that kid. That is that is quite the move to come all the way from France to the U.S. not knowing anyone to play college basketball at Nebraska University. But you're not a true five, and that's why you're 1-13. Nebraska's been playing catch-up ball against every team they play. And the really the only anomaly in this list would have to be Indiana. They have Jackson, who's a great player, and they've had some good wins, some bad wins. I don't know how I feel about Indiana. They're right in the middle of the pack here in the Big Ten. But they have a true five, and they haven't seen much success. What you need to pay attention to when the Big Ten Championship comes, which teams have the true five, those are the ones that are probably going to get it done. Now, if we move our attention over to NBA basketball, the Brooklyn Nets have been riding a heater as they find their stride. They are currently 7-0. and So NBA basketball this year is going to be interesting. I think we have a fairly level playing field. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily what we'd call a level playing field, but there's more super teams now that make it feel a little more equal. I think that's what we've turned to. We turned to the league that if you don't have a super team, well, you're not going to win anything. Somehow the Heat managed to get to the finals last year. I think that's because of the bubble. But yeah, we have some super teams now. And one of those super teams is the Brooklyn Nets. They have talents of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, who are all exceptional basketball players. And they've really found their stride recently. They beat the Pacers back on the 10th of February by 10. Uh, they followed that one up with a beat, with a win over the Warriors on the 13th of February. Followed that up with a win over the Kings. Then the Suns, then the Lakers, and then the Clippers. Now, I put an asterisk by the Lakers game because Anthony Davis didn't play, which is important because without him, I don't think the Lakers are nearly as good, and we all know that. But the Nets really have found their stride these last few weeks. Um, the win over the Pacers was just the start of a slump they got out of. They lost to the Pistons before that. They lost to the Sixers before that, and they lost to the Raptors before that. So they were kind of in this slump, and that was also when Kevin Durant was being held out of playing uh, with that whole deal. But but now that they got all three back on the floor, they've got some wins under their belt, and we're starting to see this offense really work well. Um, I think their biggest win was the win over the Clippers the other night, which some would say was a controversial call at the end of the game with Kawhi Leonard's push-off. Was it really a push-off or not? Did James Harden flop? 
Um, I mean, those are just judgment calls by the ref. That's what it comes down to. Regardless, the Nets won. And two nights before that, the Nets beat the Suns, who are playing great this year. I mean, the Suns, Devin Booker has found his flow. DeAndre Ayton is finally coming into stride. They're looking like they're going to be a good team. If you guys paid attention to the bubble last year, they won all eight of their games in the bubble. They've really figured something out, too. So these are statement wins. These are statement wins by the Nets over the Suns, over the Lakers, and over the Clippers. And the question is, are they coming into stride? Is the big three really going to work? Lots of questions I had early on is, isn't this too many offensive-minded people on the floor at once? You got James Harden, who has to get up you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 shots a game. Kyrie Irving has to get up 18 to 20 shots a game. Kevin Durant has to get up 18 to 20 shots a game. How is this ever going to work? Is there's not enough basketball on the floor to share between the three of these guys? Uh, right now, they're proving me wrong, very wrong. And they're working well together. You have Kyrie's in-and-out game. You have Kevin Durant who can finish down low and can knock down threes. And then you have James Harden, who's just an absolute maestro with a basketball. What they need to do is stay healthy. And what else they need to do is play defense all year long. And we know that's been a problem for James Harden before. We've seen the clips. We know NBA basketball isn't the most defensive-minded basketball in the world. The game has changed. For those of you who are Jordan fans out there, the game has changed. That's why no one plays defense anymore. Um, but, but I really think the Nets have found their stride. They've found something that's going to work. And will they win it all necessarily? Too early to tell. We know that. But they're going to give a lot of teams some run for their money. Um, they beat the Lakers by, it was 11 the other night. That was without AD, but that's a statement. That's that's saying we're here to play. And, and after the game, Kyrie said we'll see him again. And I I think they will see them again. Um, possible, You know, it's possible. Anything is possible. What I'm more impressed with, like I said, is their win over the Clippers. The Clippers, I mean, last year they lost in the bubble. They were kind of just all out of funk. But that is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are really working it in the Clippers. I mean, that's anytime you can get a win over the Clippers, that's special. And the Nets just, they're doing it. They're proving all the people wrong that said there wasn't enough ball on the court for those three. Because they're, they're making it work, and I think that's the big thing. They have the chemistry between them that is making it work. Without that chemistry, I mean, we saw it. I don't think Russell Westbrook and James Harden had that chemistry. I don't think Kyrie Irving ever had that chemistry with the Celtics. Obviously, Kevin Durant had that chemistry with the Warriors. So maybe Kevin Durant to, to, should get some credit for this. Maybe he's a guy who can make it work he made it work with the Warriors can he make it work with James Harden and Kyrie Irving I don't know maybe James Harden maybe Kevin Durant's the x-factor that's worth looking at but the Nets as the season progresses they're one to look at if they can stay in this flow uh they're gonna play the Kings again tonight uh it's Tuesday at 6 30 then they got Magic uh followed by Mavericks Spurs 
and then the Rockets. So I, I'll be interested. Stay tuned with the Nets. See if they can keep this flow going or, or if they're going to get back into the funk. Um, but yeah. So finally, I want to end this podcast with a little segment. Um, as you all know, it's Black History Month in February. And I think there's really a special story out of Ames, Iowa that's worth sharing. So that's what's coming up. If you are an NWU student and you're interested at starting your own show on the Yip Podcast Network, contact us at nwuyipyip at outlook.com. Remember, this is a collection of student-created podcasts from Nebraska Wesleyan University. All these shows are written and edited by current students who attend NWU. To be in the loop for podcast debuts and upload dates, follow us on Twitter at NWUYipYip. And of course, go P-Wolves. I mentioned early in the episode that I was going to talk about Jack Trice. And Jack Trice, I saw this story. It was actually during college game day when it was out at Ames, Iowa. And this is just, it's an amazing story. I, I thought it had to be shared on this podcast, especially because it's Black History Month. I knew I had to do a tribute. And, I mean, this story, all this information I have on him, it comes from either that, that E60, I believe it was, on College Game Day, or uh, I also got this information. I did some more research, and I found a New York Times article that really tells this story well. If you want to check it out, uh, the New York Times called article is called A Stadium at Iowa State. says his name, Jack Trice. So... Jack Trice was actually a football player at Iowa State in the 1920s. 1923 was the first year that he became a varsity football player. And at this time, what you need to know, there was only a handful of African-American football players in the Power Five conferences. And so Jack Trice was playing in his second college football game ever, varsity football game against the Minnesota Gophers. It was uh, October 6th of 1923. And they ended up losing to the Gophers 20-17. to 17. But during the game, Jack Trice actually had sustained an injury. And at that time, they thought it was a broken collarbone, but he decided to continue playing. And it was later in the game that he had ended up getting trampled over. So he got taken out of the game, immediately was rushed to a hospital, and they found that he did indeed break his collarbone, and he actually also suffered from internal bleeding. But the doctor decided that the operation was too risky to perform there in Minneapolis, so they loaded him back up on the team bus after the game was over, and they brought him back to Iowa State, and then he was held there at the Iowa State University Hospital, and two days after he sustained his injuries on October 8, 1923, he passed away. And at this time, it wasn't all that common, uncommon for football players to pass away from sustaining injuries on the field. Of course, the game has grown safer over time, and new technology has helped make that possible with helmets, pads, etc., you name it. But this was a, a devastating death, and... They've looked into it as whether or not it was racially driven, if foul play came into it. And there's really, they have no determination on whether or not that was a driving force. But Jack Trice passed away playing the game he loved, playing football. 
And at the time, this had a, a big impact on Iowa State's university. He was a, a beloved player on the team and a student at the stadium. Only, even though he's only surrounded, I mean, 1% of Iowa's population at the time was black. And at this time, race was still a huge deal, like it is still today. Racial justice is still a huge deal. But just to go back in this time to think about that, I mean, this is an absolutely compelling story for any sports fans. And Jack Trice, who passed away, was recognized by the with a memorial on campus. They, they brought his casket. Um, and then it was kind of forgotten. His story was forgotten. There was a plaque put up um, in the high school or in the, in the gymnasium. And later on, a school, a student of the school who was a journalism major found this plaque. And this was in the 50s. And he wrote up a small story about it. It gained popularity. And people were like, hey, we need to honor Jack Trice. How can we do that? Well, let's name the stadium after him. They were having a new stadium be built in the 1980s. So they approached their school dean, the, the president of the school. They said, hey, we'd really like to name the new football stadium after Jack Trice. Like, this is an amazing story. And Iowa State was like, well, we'll, we'll think about it. And they didn't do anything about it. Stadium got built in 1984, and, and nothing happened. Well, finally, in 1997, the university changed its mind. They decided to dedicate the stadium after Mr. Jack Trice. So they changed its name to uh, Jack Trice Stadium. And this is at Ames, Iowa, for Iowa State. This is the only stadium named after an African-American player out of all five power conferences. A uh, hundred and thirty stadiums in total, and there's only one named after an African American player. I just thought that this was a a amazing story that was worth sharing. Player's name was Jack Trice. If you want to look into it, ESPN does justice to his story even better than I did. And, and there's plenty of articles out there. I'd recommend looking at the New York Times if you found this interesting. But in honor of Black History Month, I thought this was a story that had to be shared with you guys. To conclude today's episode, I want to thank all of you for listening in on my very first episode of Take It or Leave It. Now, some of you might be wondering, why name it Take It or Leave It? Well, at the end of every podcast, I'm going to have a segment called Take It or Leave It, and it's about the upcoming games on the weekend, maybe some bold sports takes coming up. Um, until next time, because I won't see you, my show is going to debut every Friday. So these are going to be the, the games I say to take or leave. So games that you should take, games you should watch this weekend. Texas at Texas Tech on Saturday at 11 o'clock. I don't know if you got a chance to tune in last night on Tuesday night. Texas played. Kansas ended up winning by three in overtime. Awesome game. Texas beat uh, Kansas both times this year in both matchups. And they're really playing great high-level basketball right now. Uh, Texas Tech had a nail-biter with Oklahoma State the other night. Went into OT, and Texas Tech ended up losing. So if I'm you guys, uh, I'm taking Texas to win this one. It's an 11 o'clock game. It's going to be awesome, so take that one. Sit down on your couch on Saturday at 11 and watch the Texas Longhorns take it to Texas Tech. One game that I'm going to leave, Baylor versus Kansas. It's Saturday night at 7. This game is receiving quite a bit of hype. Um, 
I'll be shocked if Kansas hangs around in this one. Kansas has been not a very good basketball team all year. Baylor has yet to lose one. I don't see Kansas coming anywhere close in this. They don't have the firepower. They don't have the talent. You're going to see Baylor run away with this one. Not worth the hype. Don't worry about it. That's Saturday night at 7. I would leave it. Don't take it. The other game I want to take is Wisconsin over Illinois Saturday afternoon at 1. Like I said, Big Ten is a dogfight. Illinois is going to Wisconsin. Illinois is going to be on the road after their loss to Michigan State at 1 central time on Saturday. And if I'm you guys, I'm sitting down and watching this one, and I'm taking Wisconsin. Wisconsin is going to win easily. You might think, oh, they're number 23 in the country. Illinois is number 5 right now. It might change after that loss, but Wisconsin is going to run away with this one. They've they've been playing good, solid, fundamental basketball all year, and Illinois is kind of in a funk. Take Wisconsin, sit down and watch that one Saturday at 1 o'clock. The last game I'm going to say leave. Huge fan of the Big East. Big East basketball is a absolute showcase to watch. However, Creighton versus Xavier on Saturday at 3. Xavier's going to run away with this one, blow Creighton out the door. It's not going to be a fun game to watch if you're a Creighton fan. If you're a Xavier fan, I'd sit down and watch it. But for the rest of us, don't even worry about it. It's Saturday afternoon at 3. I'm going to leave that game out of the pot. Don't worry about Creighton Xavier. Xavier will run away with it. It won't be one to watch. So that's going to conclude this first episode of Take It or Leave It. If you guys want to interact with me at all on Twitter, at NWU, Yip Yip is our Twitter page. Leave your comments, leave your reactions, questions, anything you want me to cover over next week's episode. Be my guest, please. Get on Twitter, talk to me. I'd love to have some interaction. Thank you for tuning in to this first episode of Take It or Leave It. We will see you next week.